0: Now, I think the air raid is here, but I, I think it's still on trial, Andrew.
1: Back in college, I, I, I almost kind of got bored sometimes because didn't get to run block it at all. We started throwing the ball in the early 90s as well, and and people were kind of amazed at how many points we could score.
2: On this episode of the Get Screen Podcast, we're talking air raid. It's arrived in the NFL with Cliff Kingsbury taking over in Arizona. We're going to hear from an NFL.com draft evaluator, a former offensive coach who used the air raid in college, And finally, an NFL rookie who played in the Air Raid last season.
1: We are cutting against the grain. Against the grain. Against the grain. Against
0: the grain. grain. Now your host for Against the Grain. Against the grain. Here's Andrew Perloff. Against the grain. Against the
2: grain. Here at the Dan Patrick Show, we get emails, calls, letters, mostly from prison saying, we need more against the grain. Well, now you have it in podcast form. I'm Andrew Perloff. If you like the DP show, you know against the grain, contrarian football takes, contrarian life takes. Now, I know there's a lot of hot takes out there, but I kind of invented the genre, and now we're going to take it to the next level with this podcast. Now, it sort of started with the system quarterback take. Now, we've all heard that. But I was one of the early system QB guys, started with Joe Montana in San Francisco. Come on. We all know that was Bill Walsh's genius. And Dan Patrick, uh, the host of the Dan Patrick Show, actually made me say that once to Joe Montana, and he didn't like it. But the point is, this whole philosophy of football, it's a team sport. It's a system sport. Yes, talented players win games, but I think there's so much more to it. And that's the kind of thing we're going to talk about in this podcast. In other words, things that can be really annoying or really interesting. That's sort of uh, my character on the show, and I hope that's what this podcast thing is. Now, we're going to talk to football writers, obviously. We're also going to be talking to friends, family. We're going to be talking to Dan and the Danettes. We're going to get Paulie to talk, Walter Payton. We're going to get Seton to talk about Tom Brady and the Patriots. Fritzy, of course, is our Broncos correspondent. And you can interact with the podcast as well. Just tweet us at Andrew Perloff and use hashtag ATG, and I will share your contrarian takes. It's all good. Let's face it. There are a lot of hot takes out there, but they're not all quality. The point of this podcast is to have some quality hot takes. I got to warn you, have a fire extinguisher at home or in the car because it's going to get pretty warm around here, and it might even get humid. You never know. We're going to start with a topic that is near and dear to me, the air raid offense. So Mike Leach is considered the innovator of the system. He had several coaches underneath him, including Cliff Kingsbury, who the Arizona Cardinals shocked everyone and hired this year. That means the air raid is officially arrived in the NFL. Now critics say this is not going to work, but I am such a believer in systems that I am being optimistic. I think that Kingsbury is going to do a good job there and reinvent everything. Now when people say, air raid, they're like, well, isn't that just another spread offense? What you don't know is that they throw the ball so much more than every other offense. In college, Mike Leach threw the ball 64 times a game in 2014. Do you realize how much more that is than everyone else? So if Kingsbury comes to the NFL and runs the same plays that he did at Texas Tech, I think it's going to take forever for defenses to catch up with it. So what's going to happen is Kyler Murray is going to dominate and everyone's going to say, ooh, Kyler Murray is such a great player. No, it's a system. So I am preemptively claiming system here. Then again, I do like Kyler Murray, and I'm encouraged what I've seen in training camp or preseason. But we're going to dive more into the air raid with a few experts on the subject, including Coach Alan Wardis, who was an innovator in offensive systems at a small school in Texas called Hardin Simmons in the 90s. He has some really interesting takes on where Mike Leach got his ideas from and what he can do with it. Talk to my buddy Lance Zierlein, NFL.com draft evaluator, Whose dad is also a Texas coach and knows all about the air raid. And finally, Andre Diller to the Philadelphia Eagles, who played in the air raid last year under Mike Leach, went 22 in the draft, which is pretty high considering the dude never blocked against the run, but he says he's ready to do it. So it should be fun. Let's get started right now with one of the worst draft takes I've ever heard. And it happens to be one that I shared. <laughs> Now, pleased to welcome my good buddy, NFL.com and NFL Network Draft Analyst, Houston Radio Host, General Bon Vivant, Lance Zierlein. Lance, how you doing, buddy?
1: I'm doing good. How
2: are you, man? I'm great. So everyone on this Against the Grain podcast has to share a hot take that went terribly wrong. You know, I've had a million over the years, as you know. What's one of your takes that just really, really burned and uh, you, oh. you regret to this day?
0: I would say it was recently. It was a 2017 NFL draft. I'm trying to pull it up so I can get the words exactly right. I I just want to lay myself out on this one. Here is a quarterback who I said, this quarterback's experience in a pro-style passing attack gives him a head start headed into the league. His physical attributes are just average, but his accuracy, composure, and anticipation What sets him apart from some of the more physically gifted quarterbacks in this year's draft. This quarterback's tape is sure to catch the eye of at least a few teams in need of a quarterback, and he should come off the board by day two with a chance to become a solid starting quarterback in the future. But what makes it worse is I was a little bit more – I stood on the table a little bit more for this guy on Twitter, and this quarterback is Nathan Peterman.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that hasn't worked out. Now, you know who else is on that table with you, Lance? Who? Uh, The person you're talking to. So, you know, I'm a Nathan Peterman fan. Reason being, when I was at the uh, Eagles Patriots Super Bowl, he was at a party I was at, and I spent an hour talking to him. He's the nicest kid in the entire NFL.
0: But you're on a nice guy table. I'm on a football, I'm on a quarterbacking table. I do this. For a living, like that's not a good table to be on right now.
2: Let me tell you though, and I've actually argued—I got in a huge argument with an entire table, of pro football focus people, about this. All the interceptions are not Nate Peterman's fault. Oh, um, in fact, I, a majority are, no, are not.
0: You're a hundred percent right. If you've actually watched the interceptions, now I wonder if we're looking at this with a you know a biased perspective, <laughs> but no I mean legitimately when you watch his interceptions and then you watch the game he had against the Ravens last year when he was with I think it was last year year before last whatever with the Bills it was like nobody could get open Um, there were you know deflections that were that turned in interceptions like he has legitimately been snake bit and when he's had his opportunities it always comes against the best defenses in the league and so now you see John Gruden's buying in. Did you see that? Like, John Gruden's yeah. hyping up Peterman.
2: No. For example, by the way, the the pick that really killed him was a pick six against the Texans that cost him the game. Yeah.
0: Because he had been playing well.
2: I think Kelvin Benjamin was the target on that play. And you know my Kelvin Benjamin theory. Any interception thrown to Kelvin Benjamin is on Kelvin Benjamin. They have to redo quarterback statistics to tell us what the interception meant. And I think the PFF guys do this. But I am sick of... Guys who run lazy routes or guys who don't fight for the ball, costing quarterbacks, especially quarterbacks I'm fans of, interceptions, because it's just not fair. It doesn't really tell you what happened.
0: You know, it's interesting. That's why when I when I evaluate quarterbacks, I go to all their touchdowns and all their interceptions, and I start there first. Because I want to know how responsible they are for those impact plays, whether they're positive or negative impacts. And it is really amazing that some guys, and I even write in the notes, like, all the interceptions are on him, throws late, off target, weak arm, whatever the case may be. Uh, there are other guys who it's just, you know, some bad luck and a deflection at the And Look a deflection. You can say is on the quarterback, but at the same time, there are some interceptions that are not created the same. And when I see a year where a guy has had nine interceptions, but I, but I believe that only really two to three are attributed to him and they're not, and they're not based on bad decision-making, that's something that can be worked with on the next level. And some of that is going to be, you know, luck or maybe inability of wide receivers to do what an NFL wide receiver would have done in that possession, which might have been, you know, fighting harder for the ball or body positioning, things like that. So, yeah, you're you're right. I mean, you kind of have to go look at how the interception took place and wasn't on the quarterback.
2: Absolutely. Uh, Today's topic, by the way, is the air raid. Lance, and now you're great to talk about this, because A, you have to evaluate guys for your NFL.com draft profiles and on on the network when you see them playing a different offense than we've seen in the NFL. And B, you're from Texas, so you've grown up watching sort of the birth of this offense, which for convenience sake will will go back to Mike Leach sort of taking Hal Mummy's offense. But to me, it seems like it all kind of really – I'm not going to say it started in Texas, but this is, in my mind, a Texas offense. And you know how I feel about Texas high school football. And it feels like that air raid offense is now coming to the NFL. Is it fair to call this the year of the air raid, or is the air raid already here?
0: Well, no, the air raid is 100% here. And I think the successes of Jared Goff, followed by, you know, certainly more notably, um, Pat Mahomes last year, really put a stamp on the fact that that these quote-unquote air raid quarterbacks could be successful, and that's something that we really hadn't seen until, you know, Goff is, his, in his uh, second year and then what we saw with, with Pat Mahomes last year. So um, there's still more, more losses than wins when it comes to evaluating air raid talent. But by the same token, yeah, I think – Now, I think the air rate is here, but I I think it's still on trial, Andrew, because you've got some – it's trending upwards, but there are still a lot of people who are waiting to see what happens with Cliff Kingsbury, and they'll judge early on, you know, failure, success, which we know is not fair, and then there will be a second judgment down the road where you can either say, oh, I told you so, or the the other side can say, told you you were responding too quickly, and that this offense could absolutely work. So – it's here. I don't know if the NFL is hundred percent in on the air raid. I think there's some I think there are some college, you know, the RPO stuff is here to stay. I'm not as hundred percent sure that the air that that a quote unquote air raid is here to stay. I mean, really the only guy who's running air raid is Arizona and Cliff Kingsbury. There may be some college elements that are being run, but Cliff Kingsbury's trying to say, Hey, let's see if we can bring this offense into the pros. All
2: right, let's talk a little X's and O's then, Lance. What's the difference between the air raid and the other spread offenses we've seen? Are we talking four vertical receivers, mesh plays? Break it down for us.
0: Well, I mean, you hit on two major points. I mean, they're different. We talked to Jake Spavita about this on the radio. Um, he is at Texas State. Of course, he was at Texas A&M with uh, Kevin Sumlin. He's been with Dana Holgerson at West Virginia as well. So, you know, he's he's been entrenched He was there. Um, you know, he's seen some pretty good quarterbacks as well. And yeah, it's, it, you know, I think it's kind of, it's morphed and, and changed at various times. Dana Holgerson really ran the football a lot more than, than a lot of the, uh, you know, some of the other air raid teams will do. And certainly that's what separates the air raid from, uh, the run and shoot. Cause people want to kind of lump everything together, but really the, the air raid is about, it's not just a bunch of dink and dunk and get the ball sideways. I mean, they are trying to attack down the field. They're trying to create stress on safeties and 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 make you make misreads on some of the you know on some of the route combinations so that you can you can hit big plays and touchdowns. And when you have four wide receivers out in a the route, then I mean, you're you're all of a sudden starting to uh, you know stress safeties in terms of their high low concepts and whether or not they're going to bite on something underneath or follow the verticals. Or you got four verticals and. And you've got to try to match up the math on it. Then it becomes, you know, then it becomes a problem. And I think what the, I think what the Air Raid wants to do is they're not just trying to dink and dunk their way down the field and say, well, let's, you know, let's treat the passing game as an extended running game. Yes, they have elements like that. And a lot of times it's to draw the offense or the defense forward, bring them forward, bring them forward. A lot of times, just, for example, the, some of the jet sweeps jet sweep stuff. But what they really want to do is they want to hit big plays on you, and they want you to bust.
2: Lance, what if it just works from the get-go, and Cliff Kingsbury is Coach of the Year? Do you think Air Raid could completely transform the NFL?
0: Oh Well, then there's going to be a wholesale change in the NFL because it is a copycat league. But maybe more importantly, I think more and more uh, the game is being managed and being run and when i say manage you know general managers and then run from the coaching standpoint whether it's head coach or general manager by um certainly younger younger players uh certainly the newer generation of of football minds but maybe more importantly guys who are more open to uh open-minded i guess from a process standpoint and then from an actual X's and O's and, and philosophical standpoint offensively. I think that's been the real difference is instead of telling you why something can't work, there are way more guys in the NFL than people realize who are out there trying to find reasons why things can work now. And I think that's going to be the same case with, with, with the air raid. And I think what's really, really important is that, if these quarterbacks are learning from from seven on seven moving forward, from, from high school seven on seven days or even youth football, if they're all out of the gun, then put them in the gun. Well, the NFL's adapted to that. We see more shotgun and, and pistol stuff than ever before. So obviously there's an adaptation. And we saw all the RPO stuff come in, and now every team has different RPO, you know, looks yep. in their in their repertoire. So why would we not see more simplifying of the offense or quarterbacks
2: totally so that brings me to kyler murray i had a long talk with another good friend of ours Greg cosell this weekend he Uh, loves hmm. kyler murray and he said i knew all along cliff kingsbury was going to take him because cliff only knows one thing air raid quarterback so i was like okay greg but uh i do i gotta be honest i've been watching the cardinals training camp highlights i mean that ball comes out pretty fast out of his hand yeah uh, I know you. I know you did a lot of work on him in the spring. Now that we're sitting here in August, do you think Kyler Murray is going to be a hit in Arizona?
0: I think. I think if things around him work out in his favor, he will be. Um, what do you mean by that? Get protected better. He's going to have to have a running game that teams respect. But other than that when it comes to getting the ball out quickly when it comes to extending plays and hitting explosive plays um moving the chains on third down with his arm or with his feet Expl- explosive because the NFL now is is being won by you can't dink and dunk your way down the field the the Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Drew Brees I mean those are those are elite all-time great talents the reality is you're not gonna have thirteen play drives anymore on a regular basis. You're gonna need you know, you're gonna to need to hit those thirty plus yard touchdowns and that's how the league is going. And Kyler Murray gives you that opportunity simply because he does have the ability to extend plays and force defenses to cover longer. And that's gonna be a problem for some defensive backs out there. But why I think he'll work is because he's got a twitchy instant release and then i think the other big thing with kyler murray is that he is stepping into a comfort zone right off the bat with this offense and with cliff kingsbury and with the type of wide receivers that he's throwing to they did a really good job i thought of getting a wide spectrum and variety of wide Mm. receivers i know bucky bucky brooks always uses the term and he borrowed it from someone else in the nfl that your wide receiving core needs to be a basketball team. you got to have a bunch of different types of guys. And I think that's what Arizona has, and I think that's really going to benefit Kyler Murray. So, um, and Cliff Kingsbury is extremely well-respected around the league as an offensive mind. And let's remember, he was in those meeting rooms with Bill Belichick and Tom Brady as well. People forget that. So I, I think Cliff Kingsbury's got a chance to succeed, but obviously they have, some, they have a talent gap right now that has to be closed.
2: Are oh, we talking to Lance Zerline here? Now, Lance, you're I think you're one of the better guys in the media talking about offensive line. I know your dad, Larry, was a offensive line coach in the NFL for a long time. Now, the spread and especially air raid really makes your job hard on offensive linemen. So when I was yeah. at Eagles camp, I tried to talk to Andre Dillard about the transition from you know the air raid offense under Mike Leach to the NFL. He really wanted no part of that conversation. We're going to air it on the podcast just so I can say I got Andre Dillard on there. But is it really difficult for NFL evaluators like like GMs, not just you, to evaluate these guys who are in an air raid where almost every play they're stepping back with their first step? Where in the NFL, you're not stepping back every play. Do you think that this has been a challenge for the NFL? And also, do you think a guy like Andre Dillard is going to be ready to go almost instantly?
0: Well, he's a talented he's a talented player with with a talented skill set. So I do think he's going to be ready to go. And and I think an interesting note is that they changed offensive line coaches last year, and the offensive line coach that the new one he had last year really taught more true pass sets. I mean, they they got into more NFL caliber pass sets, and I think that really benefited Andre Dillard. I do think he can step in and be successful right away. I think he'll have. Um, I think especially on that offensive line whatever they ask him to do having Jason Peters and and Lane Johnson oh. there my goodness
2: that's, I saw those guys true. by the way up close Lance have you seen them lately they just look like they could dominate anybody on earth the two of them oh, in yeah. particular I mean
0: it's it's ridiculous hey here's a quick here's a quick story I'll tell you that no one's ever heard so I had the agent for, for Jason Peters. I remember it was like early 2000s, whatever year, okay, 20, 2003, 2004, whenever Jason Peters was a senior at Arkansas. So it was Jason Peters, and I can't even remember who the, the tackle was at Arkansas. There was a tackle that everyone was talking about, and then there was Jason Peters, who was a tight end. And they – beat the brakes off the Texas Longhorns. (laughs) I remember when Arkansas and Texas played, Matt Jones ran for about a million yards at quarterback. So anyway, Jason Peters was this big tight end. Well, he had some issues, you know, some, I think he had some, uh, I think he got caught, you know, smoking dope, testing positive, something like that. And he just wasn't, he was just a big burly tight end. He wasn't, he wasn't really what it looks like. Typically a tight end. And his agent had a VHS tape (laughs) and his agent said it's a VHS tape of some, of some practice footage that he had put together. And he said, Hey, can you get this to your dad? And my dad at that time was with, I think it was Cleveland Browns at that time. It was last year at the Cleveland Browns Uh, last year, next to last. And he said, hey, can you get this to your dad and see what he thinks of Jason Peters doing offensive line stuff. And I remember my dad didn't – I don't even know if he looked at it or gave it a look. I guess they were like he wasn't going to be on the board for what they were doing. And uh, and he also, I think, made some comment to me about, you know, switching over from tight end to, to tackle isn't just easy to do. I don't even think he looked at the tape, to be honest with you. <laughs> well, fast forward, you know, fast forward now, and we're talking about – one of the dominant left tackles in pro football since he came into the league and became a tackle. And uh, that just goes to show you, I mean, you have to have a certain, you have to be willing when you evaluate players to
1: see what mm.
2: they
0: can be and not who they are.
2: Sean Andrews yeah. was a tackle. Sean Andrews. That's yeah, who became right. an Shawn Eagles first-round pick and actually made a couple Pro Bowls. was a good player. He was gigantic. I mean, huge, yeah, huge. that's
0: right. It was Sean. Yeah, it was Sean. How about this? You had Sean Andrews and Jason Peters (laughs) rolling down on you on the right side. I mean, it was a nightmare.
2: No wonder Matt Jones was a first-round pick, right? Uh, The uh, eventual... I know he was a wide receiver.
0: As a wide receiver.
2: Yeah, oh my gosh. So uh, I'll let you go in a minute, Lance, but I have to ask you since I have you. There's a lot of talk about tanking for Tua, or now everyone's saying you got to go 0-16 for the next two years to get Trevor Lawrence. (laughs) (laughs) Are you... Are people just jumping the gumbies are such big names do you do you evaluate those guys and say wow do you know a guy's I mean, going to be a number 1 you're overall pick to lose,
0: then you're, then you're, you're selling the seeds to be a losing organization that's all i can tell but you. it happens I
2: mean, in the nba I, it happens in the nba and works
0: yeah no you're right it does happen in the nba and it look at philadelphia they were losing for a bazillion years and even now they're not you know they're they're not the the, the front runners i mean they they missed some of those picks they didn't hit as many as everyone tended to think, but regardless, I just don't think you ever play to lose. I get the pro, I get the, I understand it, but in the NFL, the quarterback position, I don't think Tua is this locked down, you know, drop dead quarterback for the ages. I don't see it. I watched him last year closely in the summer. I watched a ton of throws this summer, and I've already written up some notes on Tua. I think Tua is a nice quarterback. I don't know that Tua. You know, right now Tua doesn't carry a higher grade than Sam Darnold for me. Not not right now. So we'll see how he does in the season. I think Trevor Lawrence is the better quarterback there. Well, wait, wait, so stop right there. I, yeah,
2: T- Trevor Lawrence is the end all to be all. I've I've been on that since day one. I mean, there's. Yeah. I know you try and say objective Lance, but there's no way that guy's not going to hit.
0: No, I think Trevor Lawrence is is. You know, I think he is uh, way up there in terms of, uh, I, I feel pretty confident about it. Yeah. Yeah. So I have to stop just short of saying I have to feel pretty confident about him being a successful quarterback, yes.
2: And hey, wait, before you say, I want to be the first one to say his name on this podcast, and you put yeah. it out there before I could, I'm the Jordan Love guy. You can't oh, start talking about Utah State gunslinger Jordan Love before I did. Yeah. So no one knows him that
0: a lot of people are talking about. Jordan love has size. Yeah. He's got arm talent. Like Jordan love is the guy that I think is going to get a lot of the heat this year. Like the Carson Wentz that will roll up the board only, you know, nowadays, I think because there's so much attention on the draft from so many places, Jordan, Jordan loves, not going to sneak up on people, but he may be sneaking up on people on this,
2: podcast? No, I think mainstream. He's going to sneak up on people. I, everyone knows that your your friend Chris Ballard snuck his name out there somehow. Somehow, someone quoted Chris Ballard saying Jordan Love is awesome, and everyone's all aboard oh, right there. Did now. he really? I heard that somebody was saying Chris Ballard was praising Jordan Love. Now, I don't. I actually can't find it right now on Google. So I might. That might be a. A misnomer. and I'm sure Chris Bowder, if he was interested in someone, would never let it out of public. But Jordan no, he Love likes
0: both of his yeah. yeah, he likes both of his quarterbacks. Yeah. But he's but, talented now. Jordan Love is talented.
2: Yeah. Uh, any other quarterbacks that I have to watch this year, just give me the quick list. Uh obviously oh, to obviously yeah. Justin Herbert. But are there other guys like Jordan Love who could quickly uh, yeah. climb up the ranks?
0: I'm looking at some initial rankings right now and I've got it um I mean, I'm not really – he's not draft eligible. I would say Trevor Lawrence is obviously number one. But I think Tua, Justin Herbert, Jordan Love, Jake Fromm. And one of the reasons – and one of the reasons that I'm a big fan of Fromm's, not great arm talent. Nope. Release is pretty good, but he is really smart in the pocket. Really, really smart. He knows exactly what he wants to do. He gets to the third read on a re- really consistent basis. Um, he's got—he's a good decision maker. Like he's got all those intangibles that you want, and he doesn't shake easily. I, I know he didn't play well against the Longhorns in that in that bowl game when you know it was clear Georgia just really didn't show up. Not to take anything from the Longhorns at all. Longhorns outplayed him, but when he played Georgia in consecutive years. That game is not too big for Jake Fromm at all. And that's what you really really love to see. I think another guy that kind of surprised me a little bit was um Shay Patterson.
2: Ooh, uh, that that's going to be a polarizing one. I'll tell you that right now. I, I don't care what happens this season.
0: I know it is, and I didn't expect to but there was there was just some there was just some intangibles that I liked about him. I liked his competitiveness. I liked some of the plays he made on the move. Now he's he's probably not going to be the full-time quarterback there because they've got some talented quarterback Mm. that they're probably going to work in. But I actually like Shea Patterson more after watching him in Michigan this year than I did after watching him at Ole Miss. And now they're going to add some of those elements from Ole Miss offense into the Michigan offense. So I really will take advantage of of what he does well, which is the mobility Mm. and working. On the move outside the pocket, so I actually would keep an eye on Shea Patterson. I think he's a little better than I thought he was.
2: How about uh, another guy that from beat? out? I was about to say from his best credit is he beat out Fields and he also beat out Jacob Eason. Is Jacob Eason on your radar right now?
0: Yeah, he is. I gotta, you know, I don't have I don't have tapes on him from uh, last season, so I got to go back to see
2: two years ago. Years yeah,
0: ago, obviously, and go study him. But he's a hundred percent on my. Radar. There's, you know, one of the things I heard about him is that the players absolutely love him Mm -hmm. in the locker room. That they were, you know, he's that big personality guy that the players tend to uh, gravitate towards, kind of like Drew Locke was in Missouri. So that matters, but what matters more to me is accuracy, poise, and decision making. But uh, I'm going to take a little closer look at him as the season wears on. I want to see where he is in a new offense. In a, on a new team and see where his head is now after not playing football last year.
2: So, Lance, it's right now. It's August. When do you go to your sad, lonely existence in that hovel of a tape room? <laughs> <laughs> where, When am I going to be like, oh, I haven't seen the daylight in nine hours? When does that? Well, that
0: doesn't. Okay, so I'll do some of that this month, September, October. But really, that month is November. Yeah. When November first hits, I'm officially on the clock to get stuff done. Where I've got to have. Uh, in a neighborhood of three hundred it'll be three hundred and eighty players done by the combine <laughs> I, I'm gonna have to have that done so there's you know it's a minimum of six days a week for me, sometimes seven days a week and uh it is yeah when November first hits, I just tell my wife i'll see you in you know I'll see you in March.
2: After yeah the and by the way i know your wife she must be thrilled about that and i'm not saying that sarcastically you know for yeah. her <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 no she's psyched she was saying like wow i can't wait till november well, I would
0: take her on trips you know so, so because i make her a football widow and she's got to yeah. take the kids to baseball and do and to basketball games and all that stuff um i usually take her on trips so we just got back from quebec city and montreal with
2: her,
0: our trip and Yeah, it was nice. We had a lot
2: of fun. Lovely. Uh, All right, well, I'm going to have you back on, and we're going to talk Shea Patterson and Jordan Love once we actually get to see them play. I should be excited. But, Lance, I really appreciate it, and uh, we'll talk soon, buddy. All right, thanks, man. So I was down at Eagles camp, and I really wanted to talk to Andre Dillard, the first-round pick who the Eagles traded up to at 22 to nab out of Washington State. Played under Mike Leach in the air raid offense. And I figured there's nobody with better perspective on how this transition from the air raid in college works when you get to the NFL than Andre Dillard. And I think this answer pretty much sums it up. Do you think this Cliff Kingsbury air raid, same offense you ran, it's going to work in the NFL?
1: Yeah, sure. I mean, sure.
2: Yeah, there you have it. It's going to work. Watch out for Cliff Kingsbury and the Arizona Cardinals. I also talked to Andre about the difference between basically pass blocking all the time at Washington State under Leach, and now that he's in the NFL, obviously the Eagles do pass the ball a lot, but he's going to have to do a lot more run blocking. You guys obviously pass the ball a lot. Are you, are you psyched to run block a little more here?
1: Yeah, it's, it's fun getting to do that more and learn more about that um, at this level, because Back in college, I, I, I almost kind of got bored sometimes because I didn't get to run block it at all. So I finally get to be in a three-point stance here. So,
2: Okay, again, Andre, probably could have been more expansive, but then I got talking hoops with him. And as you know, I'm a baller. He's a baller. I thought we'd connect on that. Not exactly. I read your background. You played ball basketball, you know, long frame. So I gave you a choice. You could be Michael Jordan or Tom Brady. When you were growing up, who would you have wanted to
1: be? Probably I would have wanted to be Michael Jordan. But as I grew older, I started to love football more. So that probably, the answer would probably change.
2: So I grew up in Philadelphia, I went to Lower Marion, uh, where Kobe Bryant went. Not sure if you're aware of this. So if you're looking for pickup games in the area, I could kind of show you around. I don't know, do you play ball anymore? No, I'm terrible now. Okay, maybe asking a rookie left tackle for a big picture analysis of the air raid wasn't a great idea. He's actually a really nice young guy and he is very, very talented. They love him in Eagles camp. But I really want to get into the history of the air raid. So I went down to talk to a friend in Texas. I'm joined now by someone I met when I was kicking around Texas doing stories on Case Keenum and Andy Dalton. Coach Alan Wardis, who was a Former college offensive coordinator and runs the Air It Out Academy for Texas quarterbacks. And as you know, Texas quarterbacks is a pretty big thing. Coach Wardis, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing great, and how are you?
2: I'm really good. So, we're talking about the air raid offense on this podcast. And Uh I look at your resume, and you seem to, your history seems to be running sort of parallel to everything that was happening with Mike Leach and eventually Cliff Kingsbury. Can you explain yeah. to someone who may not be sort of an X and O expert what the air raid offense means and sort of where it came from?
1: I, I will, I, you know, or, or at least as best of my knowledge, uh, you know, back in the early 90s, throwing the football wasn't that popular. Most most teams pitched it to the tailback and everybody went and blocked for him and that's that was football. Uh, throwing the football is not new. Uh, by any means but it just a lot of coaches didn't understand it and they they understood the other better well Lavelle Edwards who was the coach at BYU at the time decided that throwing the football was going to be their way of moving the moving the ball and their equalizer I guess you could say so that's really kind of where it all started this was back when Jim McMahon and Steve Young were playing for him and then then he had Ty Detmer and Ty won the Heisman trophy back in the early 90s and so football kind of started to change a little bit coach Leach and and uh, coach Mummy spent a lot of time with uh Lavell Edwards and kind of developed their own system of throwing the ball and uh our school at Hardin-Simmons in Abilene we started throwing the ball in the early 90s as well and and people were kind of amazed at how many points we could score and and how fast we could move the ball up and down the field. So throwing the ball became more popular. And then as Al and Mike started developing their air aid quote system, they uh, they became popular for. They were probably the first guys that really sold out to throwing the football totally.
2: Hey, Coach Bryles uh, back in when he was at Stephenville High School. He told me sort of he was a little bit smaller than some of the other teams. Is uh is some of this passing game does it help you catch up if you say you don't have as big a team as the other team is it a way to sort of I don't know counter big physical teams that from oh, other I parts of the so. state? Oh,
1: I think so, you know, speed uh, I've heard it said before that speed's never had a bad day in sports, you know. <laughs> slow has had some bad days. But speed never has, and I think one of the things that Coach Browles always coached, a couple of things. One is it, when he was a college coach, he recruited guys that could run really fast, and that was, that was their equalizer. In high school, uh, they had really good athletes, but they always had a really good quarterback at Stephenville. If you go back and look at the their their guys, they just had really good players. They coached them well. And and it was their equalizer. If they didn't think they could match up physically against some teams, they still had a chance to score a bunch of points. And, and then their linemen as well. That You know, they didn't have to block them all the way down the field. They just had to block them for a few seconds to give the quarterback a chance to get the pass away.
2: Absolutely. Well, that leads to my next question. So all of a sudden we have a different kind of players going up through college and, and now in the NFL draft, guys who are not don't look like traditional players at their position. Like you have Kyler Murray at quarterback and you have offensive tackles coming out of Leach's system who are sort of longer and taller than some of the traditional. So how is this like, how is this going to translate to the NFL? Can you be a smaller quarterback or say a a leaner offensive lineman and sort of play that air raid system at the highest level? Or do these guys have a ceiling?
1: Well, we're going to find out, Uh, you know, with, Kyler Murray and see how he does. One thing that he's got going for him is he is super quick and hard to tackle in the open field. And we'll, we'll see. You know, I, as we were talking earlier, it, the Big Twelve was just built for Kyler perfectly because it's a passing league and that type of stuff. And when he was in at A and M in the Big to, in the SEC, although he was just a freshman and trying to adjust to the college game. I watched several of those games, and and they like to kill him with, uh, you know, some of those defenses like to just run him flat over. So we'll see how that transitions into the NFL. I I think he's going to do very well. Those linemen, you know, the offensive tackle, the tall, leaner guys, we'll we'll see as well because the NFL, on the other hand, you know, they have free agency and and they have all these different rules, but they want to be – as consistent as possible from team to team because they may trade a guy on Wednesday and they want that guy to be ready to play by Sunday. And so if, if those teams can keep their terminology and some of their systems as close as possible to each other, I think they're better off. Now Kingsbury, he's going to throw a monkey wrench in it because their offense is totally different than traditional NFL offenses. So we'll kind of we'll. I'm sure they're going against the grain and uh, bucking the system a little bit. We'll see how it all works.
2: So which NFL quarterbacks have gone through your air out academy? And before you listen, was Cliff Kingsbury one of them?
1: Cliff Kingsbury was one of them, and he is a very good friend of mine and a a great guy, and I I hope that he has the utmost success at uh, Arizona. The, some of the others that are still playing: uh, Case Keenum, of course, you mentioned him, and Colt McCoy. And they're both from the same town here in Abilene, where I live, and they're they're great young men. Christian Ponder played at Florida State and was a first round draft choice. Ryan Tannehill is from Big Spring, Texas, played at A&M, and he was a first round draft choice by Miami. Andy Dalton. Uh, came to came to our camp some in the Houston area, and what a fine young man he, he is. Uh, Chase Daniel, trying to think if there's any others that are still playing. Several guys that are playing in colleges right now. Charlie Brewer is the quarterback at Baylor, and Alan Bowman is the quarterback at Texas Tech. Those guys came to our program, and uh, many, many others throughout the years for sure.
2: Uh, so when Cliff Kingsbury was, was he always sort of a, uh... An attraction for the female crowd was he always a lady killer even back in high school
1: <laughs> well well i don't know that i can speak to that uh but he he certainly is he certainly has always been a competitive uh guy and <laughs> he he really really does want to win and so I, and he's always been a good-looking kid. So, I, you know, I, he probably has been. I, I don't know.
2: <laughs> now what always struck me as funny is that Case Keenum, who I know you know very well, and Cliff, of course, hooked up at University of Houston where Cliff's right. broken into coaching. They seem on the surface to be very different people. Like Cliff seems like he'd be on the cover of a, a Socialite magazine where case just wants to go kind of hang out at home with his friends. Do Yeah. But they, you know, I I've heard both of them talk so glowingly about each other.
1: Uh well, they they are really good friends and and I think part of that is because each of them have have one thing in common. They're both very very competitive. Yeah. And and they want to win. And so when they were together, that was the main focus was was winning. And the other the other thing is is I I think is they're probably not as quite different as maybe they appear. You know, <laughs> they're they're both really really good. Yes, really good guys and just good people. And they and they're just they're just Texas QBs that have done really well.
2: Do you know when? Do you see the ultra competitive kid? Do you ever know when a quarterback's in your camp that this kid is more competitive than everyone else, and he might have the stuff to really really, you know, ex- oh, yeah. exceed even his talent level and become an NFL player.
1: Oh yeah. Well, you know, of course, NFL. That's kind of a different deal because right. you don't ever know about that. Sure. But you, you can you can sure tell that some of these guys have may may have what it takes to be a college player for sure and and a really good one. So to answer your question, yeah, you you I, I think you can tell at a young age if a kid's kind of got some of the qualities that it takes.
2: That's awesome. Well, I, I really appreciate your time, and I will probably. You know what's this Cliff Kingsbury offense going? I'll probably hit you up uh, <laughs> for some of your uh, takes on the X's and O's of uh, Arizona's offense. Because All I'm, right. I'm really excited to watch it. By the way, it's...
1: oh, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be great, and I'm, I'm looking forward to it as well.
2: Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Coach. We'll talk soon.
1: All right. Thank you. Have All a right. good day.
2: <laughs> there you have it. Air raid offense, coming to the NFL, some bad draft takes, a lot of good stuff going on here. Next week, we're going to talk about analytics. Now, you might hear that word and your eyes glaze over, but it is here and it is changing the NFL. Actually, people said that like five years ago, so it's changed the NFL already. But we're going to dive into it and what it means for you as a football fan, maybe a little bit of fantasy advice in there. uh, And basically, it's going to make me sound smart. Tune in. Hope you enjoyed Against the Grain. Talk to you soon.